counselors, approach the bench. I have no further witnesses, Your Honor. Curiosity, I'm allowing this freak show to continue. Your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Overruled. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb Top 250 and argue for or against the movies being on that list. My name is Johannes. And I am Raji. Today, we're talking about yet another film on that list. Martin Scorsese's mafia case study, Goodfellas. Goodfellas was released September 23rd, 1990 and stars Ray Liotta, Joe Pesci, Paul Sorvino and Lorraine Bracco. Before we go, rat out our friends, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, it's the new year, right? Happy New Year, everybody. Yeah. Kind of surreal to talk about <laughs> the new year, given uh, how 2020 went. It's right? a mixture of 2020 and uh, 2021. Uh, you know, we still had the virus going everywhere, but, you know, at least we started to see our friends. So yeah. we're hoping that 2022 is a, <laughs> is a better year than that. That's right. That's right. It can only, you know, get better from here. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. I mean, unless we decide to do something rather ridiculous. Um, but, you know, humans are humans. You never know what we're going to do. It's very profound, very true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, here's to a new year of movie mistrial. We start us off uh, with Goodfellas, like I said. Uh, nothing better than a gangster movie to start the year off, yeah. for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting discussion. This film, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, it's it's a movie that has left me with two minds, and uh, I can totally appreciate the people who love this film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't find many people who don't. So. I don't want to get the wrong end of the stick on this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how about that. Um, but to find this out, we should flip a coin. Sure. So let's, let's do that. All right, Raji. Hands or tails? New year, new choices. I'm going to go with tails. Tails. Radical. Heads. <laughs> I knew it. I got it. I knew it. I knew it. All right. So what's it going to be for you? Uh, <clears throat> you know, like like you said, it's it's one of these movies where... Um, I'll go against this movie. What? You, uh, I'm not going to argue with you. But <laughs> <laughs> I am totally surprised that you'd go against this film. Yeah, yeah, you know, start the year off with a with a challenge. All right, let's. Uh, okay, I'm 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 all for it. Maybe we should. Uh, I guess for people who haven't seen this film, maybe we should get a synopsis and then we can uh, see where we go from there. Sounds great. Let's let's do that. A young man grows up in the mob and works very hard to advance himself through the ranks. He enjoys his life of money and luxury, but is oblivious to the horror that he causes. A drug addiction and a few mistakes ultimately unravel his climb to the top. Based on the book Wise Guy by Nicholas Pileggi. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Your honor, good fellas. Uh, a movie that's 
kind of pandering the glorious life of 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 gangsters and the mob uh, telling us how great a life of crime is and how um how, how everyone can benefit if you just stay in your lane but do crimes um what a bad example for society to show us a movie where everything is glamorous and great and if you don't behave sure you get sh shot on the foot but who cares right it's all fun and games um a movie that's just kind of meandering and yes it's kind of going crazier and crazier and crazier the more drugs are involved but uh, it almost feels like three different movies in one and uh it the result of that is just kind of an unfocused weird garbled mess and that is good fellas and that's my opening statement well um you argue that uh this movie is three movies in one and i i, I kind of agree i kind of agree uh but i agree with it in a in a positive sense we start with the bright-eyed good-natured um view of somebody who's fallen in love with a lifestyle he gets to watch from outside his window a person who gets steeped into that lifestyle and somebody who realizes that he's in too deep into that lifestyle and he needs to get away so those are the three different f parts of the film and we watch as the director martin scorsese uh, masterfully uses cues music um the way people act within the scenes how people react to things going on to tell a story and you you're right in some senses the movie does meander but the the story tells is bigger than some of the scenes that we have to i think one of the things that i can appreciate and i, I think that like i said i was of two minds with this film um when i watched it and after a few minutes uh i can appreciate the fact that there's a lot of meandering discussions in the scene but really how many times in your life are you talking about big issues with friends it's mostly meandering conversations so i think it's a reflection of real life um and uh the improvised nature of how real life really works i think this movie is a masterpiece i think it should be higher on the list hmm, interesting so i mean you you fairly outlined that um all the dialogue and this is just kind of superficial you know pandering um and to think that's exactly what this is is <laughs> it's very superficial it's just kind of like i said glorifying um a life that's not really uh, attainable and shouldn't shouldn't be attainable for everybody uh and and it results in conversations where everybody is dancing around uh like any real conversations about real things because um of fear of consequences and i think ultimately that results in a super shallow movie that's just about glorification of uh, of the mob and violence and uh, i think that that that's not enough so i'm going to counter that uh, and say that while we both agree that the conversations that they have are meandering for example you know the scene where they arrive home um and they talk about uh when they arrive um uh at um 
the mom's place, his mom's house, and uh, she's she's like, I haven't seen my son for months. You know, I want to make you food and, and all of that stuff. And they all sit down by the table and they have this discussion. And mom brings out a picture, and they're like, uh, he looks like the guy. He looks like a guy we know. You know, those meandering conversations just mask like a very dark, uh, dark uh, subtext for the whole film. And I think that uh, it's it's a good use of cinematography, uh, in a in a sense, to hide. Not necessarily to hide. Actually, I'm going to take that back. To um to to show the audience how people react to scenes, rather than have them talking about it outright all the time. So I think that there's a lot of um you know. I, I mean, I. I how do I explain this without, um, I'll give you an example. Okay. <laughs> because I think that I might be working myself into a bad place that you'll be able to counter. Um, so, um, you know, the scene at the very beginning of the film, uh, w- not the very beginning, like the first time, uh, we see Henry, uh, what do you call it? See somebody who's been shot. And he comes into the hotel, uh, the restaurant where they make the food, and he's holding his bleeding hands. Henry goes in, grabs all the aprons, and hands it to him. And the the response from the owner of the shop was, "You've used up all the aprons. We don't have any aprons anymore. Not on, you know, this guy is bleeding." I would consider that conversation to be meandering, right? Um, you know, uh, he, you know, the scene where Spider was uh, told. Um, the character to F off, right? And he gets shot after he'd been shot in the foot. Um, and uh, the character who shoots him goes, at least you know I'm a good shot. You know, that conversation is meandering. But the way um, Henry reacts to the scene where he runs to the character, uh, to the person who is injured and tries to comfort them, shows a lot more than what any of the conversations could say. We don't need to hear a conversation about how Tommy is still uh, soft-hearted. He's not fully in love. He's not fully into the gangster world. He still cares, as opposed to the psychopaths who are who have somebody dead in their car and they can go in and have dinner with their mom talking about paintings while Henry doesn't eat anything because there's somebody dead in the trunk. So the actions of the characters are so interesting and it's masked by meandering conversations. And I think that I've meandered a lot. So I'm going <laughs> to pass the mic. <laughs> Very true. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's interesting though, right? Because it's it, at least, so so your argument essentially is that the Ray Liotta character um, is somebody who breaks it into this mob environment. He's never going to be made, as we learned, because he's not Italian. Um, so he's he's just kind of mob adjacent, um, the muscle, you know. He's 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 completely pandering to, to the powers that be, in a way, with like obnoxious laughing at their stupid jokes. Um, you know, just keeping the charade up that he's this, this loyal person. Um, and, oh boy, do the tables turn there. Um and we're supposed to feel kind of sympathetic to him because he's not that deep dar, not that far down the deep end yet. 
but then he's doing ultra repulsive actions as well um and it's like i i i think it's very hard to sympathize with this person um after all he's done and shown and and it's like yeah i mean he doesn't even fully show remorse right like he's uh at the end he he is in witness protection he's um no longer with his wife um and he's like well this is fine but i missed i missed a good old day i I missed that 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 mob life right or just the the fantasy of the mob, mob life i guess right because i think the the actuality of it is 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 so insane that there is a lot of um escapism in a way you know that this character also shows right so you laugh about the the atrocious these your you know everything's funny but you tiptoe around like psychopaths so so you're always on the on the verge of being off yourself especially if you're not you know so it's it's this this weird thing where i'm like okay this this character is supposed to be the person we can identify with and we follow them through through the glamorous life of making a, a ton of money and you know, oh, we go to jail, but or prison, and you know, but that doesn't matter because we have cookouts and it's all fun and games, and it's it's all this unrealistic thing. And I understand it's it's based on real events, right? But but it's all this this weird example of something that is not really attainable. And if you really think about it for a second, it's not that great of a life, even though it looks like it is, but it really isn't. And I feel like it's just uh, trying to make us believe it is, and um, yeah, I, I I think it's it's very problematic. So I'm going to counter that and say, the first thing you know uh, we should know about Henry Hill was that he didn't want to live a normal life. He had no interest uh, leaving the nine to five jobs. I mean, he's, he mentioned it, you know, the Coco Cabana scene where they were walking through the kitchen, which is a magnificent work of art uh, by the director. It's a very long uh, camera take, over three minutes long, as they go through many of the scenes and uh, arrive at the front uh, of, you know, the place where the musician is singing. Um, he doesn't want to live a normal life. And I think that's the thing he fears the most. He's in love with the glamour. And we got to see a lot of glamour. We saw great cars, great suits, um, lots of money being thrown around. Um, but the life he has is fleeting because at any point in time, anybody, he he thinks his family uh, can turn around and, you know, put a bullet through his head. So my thing about it is all of that is being masked, right, by the glamour, by the sense of style, by the extreme coolness of the characters, and we gotta appreciate. Uh, I think that's one of the th- that's one of the things you can say about this film. It's extremely cool. The suits, the cars, you know, all of that stuff gives the um, the essence that being a gangster was just something that was so amazing. Even when you, like you mentioned, like when they went to jail uh, and they were making lobsters and beef and, you know, cooking uh, the, the close-ups to the garlic being cut, these guys could get away with almost anything. Um, but he could only get away with it so, insofar as Paulie was in jail with him. Remember what happened after Paulie was sent out? 
and he had to fend for himself. Uh, nobody cared. And his wife was, uh, came to the, you know, a prison with food in her clothes, uh, handing it to him, being extremely frustrated because nobody was helping out on the outside world. And his response was, this is how it is. This is how it is. Once, uh, once we, once we are cast out, we gotta get, we gotta fend for ourselves, you know? So there were, um, even in the glamorous scenes behind that, you could feel this sense of, oh, this is very fleeting. Um, and, you know, he comes out, starts to do drugs. Um, and uh, at the very end, that's what brought about his downfall. Uh, but I, 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 don't, I think that there are consequences to almost every single action. Um, you know, Tommy DeVito, played by Joe Pesci, suffered the consequences of what he did. Um, you know, Jimmy Conway lost all the friends uh, that he could have, that could have been his support. Um, and at the end of the film, um, Henry Hill turned on his, his adopted family. So there were consequences. Uh, he turned on his adopted family because he knew he was going to be killed. So there are consequences at every single point in this film. Um, and I don't think this movie glamorizes um, gangster films without showing that there are consequences to the glamorization. Well, so I, I mean, it's not like Godfather where literally everybody dies. It seems like, right? Like there's not a lot of people that, I mean, of the main characters, there's not a lot that that really pay for their actions. Um, yeah, the Joe Pesci character, but I mean, that, that character was a psychopath anyway, and everybody was just kind of like, oh yeah, oh, look at that guy. <laughs> funny right because they they were afraid of him but it's like dude wasn't made so it's like why why do you enable this psychopath right so it's it's just kind of like, i don't know i i think it's it's a fine line of like glamorizing that lifestyle and i think there's other movies that do it better um and also show the downfall a little better i think this is just just one of these um movies where the payoff is not really there. Uh, like it's, it starts off with uh, him hearing, you know, oh, you learned a good lesson. Don't ever rat on your friends, right? And the pay payoff of this whole movie is you rat on your friends, and you know you're you're getting scot free to a degree, right? You live a completely different life, anonymous and and whatnot, right? So, so there's some consequence there, but it's, I f I feel like there's it it doesn't feel like there's there's kind of this this big epiphany on his case i think he was just kind of like okay this is my my last resort really because um they they're, they're going to be they're going to be coming for me so what do i do okay witness protection and then i'll i'll be fine right and while that that's obviously you know a valid thing and and it's the right thing to do in my opinion it's not that compelling as a movie <laughs> But like I said, it goes back to the original uh, point. One of the things that he didn't want to do is live a normal life. Um, by giving up his friends, he um, he forces himself into witness protection, where he's forced to live a normal life, something he's totally against. 
um, and he becomes you know a pleb like all of us. <laughs> so I, I think that there are consequences to even that action that he did. I, I don't think that. Um, I think you're looking at it from the context of who we are compared to the context of who he is. From a young boy, he's been doing favors. He was making more money than his parents. Um, he got out of jail and he saw that they were living in a normal house. And he, the first reaction was, honey, pack your things. We're going to get another house. So, you know, and when they showed the new house, it was like extraordinary. They had, a, he pushed a button and the whole front uh, cabinet opens up and you see the TV there. The dining table was brought in from somewhere. They had postings with Asian uh, influences everywhere. So he didn't want to live a normal life and he ended up having to live a normal life based on the actions he had to take. Um, I, I, I think it's a fairly valid solution to a problem because the movie started with glamour and ended up with somebody just coming out of his house to pick up a newspaper. That is uh that is a big downfall. And there's one of the things, one of the things of this film, it's the downfall of the characters. Um, all these guys who are living high on life, having too much fun. Um, and you know, we saw what happened with Tommy DeVito. We saw what happens with Jim Conway. We saw what happened with Paul Cicero. And you're talking about, consequences what happened to billy bats he's he talked too much and he got his ass first beat up in the restaurant and then buried uh out in uh you know wherever they buried them i i i, I think that this movie is not just a glorification of gangster life it also shows the horrors of having to live in a world where the people above you are only scared of people ratting you out. And, you know, that's from the very beginning, you saw it, right? Like when they went into the, when they went to the party and Paul Cicero was just uh, in the back, he didn't allow anybody to talk to him, just one person. And he never spoke to anyone because he didn't want to implicate himself in anything. So, that was always at the back of your mind that these guys were doing horrible things. Uh, and I don't think they glamorized it. I mean, I don't think they glamorized it without showing that after they did that, there was a, there were consequences to be paid. I don't know. I think, I think they make this a uh, kind of a compelling case of, you know, you, you kind of hedge your bets and they couldn't pay off. Right, and so so if you're accepting that you you want to live this this crazy life, then you fully accept the consequences, and, and and until you don't, right? Which is kind of the main character's arc. And it's like, well, well, yes, you're along for the ride and for the money, and until it gets really difficult, and you understand your life is in danger, and then um, you take the the easier way out. So I I just think it's kind of I don't know, not not super convinced. But and then the other thing that I find very obnoxious in this movie is the fourth wall break um, that happens in the last, I want to say, twenty minutes, um, because ev everything is kind of narrated by by Ray Liotta's character and Lorraine Bracco's character, and kind of feels like that's the the position tapes of them in a way, and or, or like they're on 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 trial, right? Like the this they understand telling their story 
And then we have this one moment where uh, it fades to Lei Riota, Ray Liotta being on the stand and standing up and walking around the, the courtroom, just kind of talking to the camera. It's like, why? Why do you break the fourth wall? Like, it's not... It really cheapened the movie for me. Uh, just kind of on the technicality thing now, right? But it's like... Yeah, I always get frustrated with, with these kind of artsy decisions where I'm like... But, you know, you could make an argument that I was kind of invested in your story, but then you you had to do that to really tell us, like, oh, I changed, you know, like, literally. And it's like, uh, I don't know, you're not you're not in God mode here. You shouldn't be. You're not really likable as a character to begin with. I will I will counter that and say that, for me, it helped me understand that this all the stories that we learned were in the perspective of the character of Henry Hill. So you got to take a lot of things uh, with a grain of salt. Uh, everything is from his perspective. Um, I would say I would say that that's what that gave me. Uh, that was that was the vibe that gave me. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the technicalities of this film, um, the use of music, uh, and how the music uh, commented on what was happening on the screen in a very oblique way. Um, you know, the movie starts with, you know, Tony Bennett singing rags to riches, um, as they were, uh, you know, beating up, uh, what do you call it? As they were beating up, you know, as the guy who got shot was taken into the restaurant, uh, the restaurant where, uh, Henry Hill worked as a kid with the blood on his hands. They were playing Firenze Sonia by, uh, Giuseppe de Stefano. Uh, and uh, later on, that same song um, was played uh, while they were playing the poker game and uh, uh, Tommy kills Spider and shoots him. Um, in both scenes, uh, we see Henry rush up to the character and try to help. Um, and we see the lifelessness in all the other characters to show you that of everybody in that room, Tommy is the only one who cares about victims. It's a psycho. These are, I guess, I don't know if they're sociopaths, psychopaths, or people who've just been dead inside for a long time. Um, we see uh, the use of music as, as as we get towards the end, as it becomes more frenetic. Um, the use of sound as it just plays uh, very fast as we're driving because, you know, he's on cocaine and everything in his fast on cocaine, I guess, uh, it just shows you the free, freneticness of his life at the very end. And I think that the the way the music uh, comments on the movie as we watch it, uh, from the, you know, the very beginning where we got like long serenades to the very end where it's just frenetic, we kind of use that to gauge where, Tom, um, where Henry is at that point in his life. And I think it's masterful use of cinematography. Um, as well as the camera work, which is very, 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 very good. Um, so I'd just like to comment on that. So I, th- I think you bring up a point uh, that I want to talk about too: the the use of cocaine in the end, and then kind of how that influenced. I mean, you point out it influenced kind of just the um, the style of the movie, and like I indicated, it kind of feels like a different movie at that point. Um, I think a lot of what happens in this movie is kind of out of nowhere, especially in the last act. Uh, like I said, like the co- the use of cocaine is coming out of nowhere. Like yes, he's he's selling it in prison to 
and it's it's kind of acknowledged as you know you do what you got to do to survive um and then cut and you know a couple months later and he's like the super junkie that that just lives on cocaine uh out of nowhere um I, why of who knows i think um and then there are other instances where it's like this is kind of coming out of nowhere and we don't fully understand why right so uh joe pesci's character is supposed to be made um you know he wears his best prom outfit and his mother is like oh you're gonna be back great she kind of knows what's up too it seems like and uh, then he gets offed for something he did like years ago right and then it's like, okay, so why is this happening now? Why are the other two characters um, not? Because they were there too, you know, and they didn't stop him. Um, they helped bury the body. So why is like, I don't know. It's just, there's just a lot out of nowhere that, that kind of doesn't make any sense. And then it's like, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I think it's just a little messy and it's just kind of being played up for for the optics of, of that fantasy of mafia and the mob and um sure we have a great cast and everything the music is is great like a lot of the technicalities are great but the the story is just lacking hmm. I, I mean i can talk more about it when we get to the general discussions I, i'm not gonna shoot myself in the foot right now mm-hmm. um but i guess maybe we should just move on to the general discussions and have that conversation sounds good your Honor, I'd like to ask for a recess. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna comment on what you what you just mentioned. I do agree that the this movie moves uh, from scene to scene. Um, basically, it's a summary of somebody's life from one um, impactful scene to another. So the movie feels definitely it feels disjointed, um, and yeah. I can totally appreciate that perspective. Um, but I I. I it could be a long film. Oh, one other thing that I really didn't appreciate about the film was that a lot of the really, really good things happened outside of, you know, of the scene. Like, um, why did we get to see Tommy, uh, Tommy's death, but we didn't get to see the heist in, uh, from the Lufthansa? Why, why, why did we see them just go into the room and bring come out with a box of four hundred and fifty thousand, without seeing how they got that box of four hundred and fifty thousand? So there were conversations like that where you're like, I, I think like some of the best parts are being left on the cutting room floor, and I feel like that scene would have been a lot more interesting if we saw how they got the money or how they did the heist, than him just standing in the bath uh, bath uh tub going yeah 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 uh trying to i mean it's definitely a nod to psycho but i don't think that it was uh it was worth it uh in the end so i can i can understand the disjointedness and i can understand uh the perspective that some of the best scenes are not shown on on screen um but it's still an interesting story all the same I think it's an interesting story, sure, but it's like I said, like the, the the interesting bits are kind of left out, right? So, so yeah, I agree. The, the Lufthansa heist um, is coming out of nowhere, and then it, I I feel like it's just a weird 
way to introduce a little more violence because we see all these other people getting aft after this right because they they flaunt their money i guess so it's like hey we need a way to to show that these these are baddies these are the baddies uh, so let's have a heist happen off screen uh, you know let some of them walk around with mink coats and whatever and then we we have a montage of people being killed or like dead people just to reinforce like oh this is kind of a dangerous world we live in and i don't know it's i i understand it's more more like a character motivation driven movie and not like an action movie um but i think ultimately the the main character radio this character is, is kind of not interesting enough Hmm. I, I I I I fundamentally disagree. <laughs> um, I mean, I it's, it's weird because I, I maybe I was not in a good mood when I watched the film. I I did find like the violence a little good, too much. Um, um, but you know when you when I get to think about how everything played out. It made a lot more sense to me, um, understanding why some of the things in the movie were, were done. Um, but I I think that uh, um, Henry Hill was a compelling enough character because he showed enthusiasm about wanting to be in the world. And we get to understand the consequences of being in the world through his perspective. Um, at no point did he change, uh, did he change uh, from a caring character to a non-caring character he never became a tommy devito he never became uh you know he didn't he didn't uh become one of those like really bad guys throughout the film um uh so i mean like jimmy conway um so you know we we get to experience like the scene where they showed uh you know, when we go to Tommy DeVito's mom's house um, and, you know, she was played by Martin Scorsese's real mom um, and they showed the painting and, you know, somebody was sitting in a boat with with the dogs facing in two directions. Um, you know, that was like the point where that was a turning point for him because he could either become more gangsterish or he had to extricate himself from the whole situation. So we, ha- we we definitely got to understand the complexities of the film through the character of Tommy, uh, sorry, of Henry. Um, and uh, I think that he serves as a good enough narrator for some of the decisions you had to make. Uh, and, you know, given that he got to experience uh, life of the gangster and how fleeting it was, it was intriguing to watch how he navigated it, knowing that his life was in danger to the very end. Um, I mean, he, even Karen, his wife, you remember the last scene towards the very end of the film where uh, he was like, you need to go into the house, go in there. And she's like, oh, this is very dark. Uh, I think I'm just going to go home. And she goes into her car and she drives off. All those scenes are very, very interesting. Uh, because it dictates how uh, people would react in a situation like that, and I think that uh, those people were good—they um, were good surrogates for us as the watcher to see how we would react. 
So you you brought that that visitation with the mom. You brought that up twice now, uh, and it happens after. It happens before, uh, the opening of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like we 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 open the movie, uh, in the car with the banging, and then they they killed the person in the trunk. And the more I think about that, the more I feel like it's supposed to be the turning point for the Henry Hill character, mm-hmm. right? But I feel like it's not, not at all. Not at all. So I don't know why why we put so much, um, so much time and importance to this opening scene. Then move back in time, then catch up with with that scene, and and then like I I've, I guess it's a turning point in that he goes only crazier, but really doesn't. So, so like I said, like I, I, I think. Do I think it's a good movie? Yes, it's a good movie. Do I think it's it's like one of the greatest mob movies? No, um, and, and it's it's not the first time I watched this, but but kind of similar than you when I watched it yesterday. I was like, uh, I, I feel like this is severely overhyped, um, because like fundamentally it's well made. You know, all all the. The, the people involved, all great, right? The music is good, the cinematography, like all, all that is good. But where it really lacks for me is uh, the book. And I don't, I, I'm having a hard time um, understanding how, how I am even supposed to feel for, for the Henry Hill character because I feel like he's very inconsistent. And uh, the more I think about it, the more frustrating it is to me because I like, because I'm like I I cannot feel like I'm sympathizing with him because I don't think that the life he was aspiring to is really that like that that doesn't really make him a sympathetic character. Um, then him going against it and and kind of acting like he's the the martyr out of the whole thing also is not very sympathetic. Um, the way he treats his wife is not very sympathetic. So it's like. I really don't know, you know, like, oh, boo you, you cannot live your, your, your ideal life that, that you want to live. Well, that's, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel for you that way because I think uh, you as a character, you know, you made your own bed and I don't feel sorry for you because you, you lived in this fantasy world that, that is full of violence and then cannot, cannot really live with the consequences of that. So I, I yeah I don't know it's it, it, it's it's a good movie but it's I I really don't think it's like one of the greatest. So I'll say this: the movie starts, you know, with him saying, "No, as far as I can remember, I've always wanted to be a gangster," and they slammed it shot, and we see the red um, on the screen, and he's staring into the staring into the abyss, right? Um, and then we hear the story of his life. Uh, and we see all the actions that he did before that. But at no point in that film, until that very point, was he ever involved with killing or taking anybody's life? That we know um, He's of. always heard stories. He's heard stories about what they did, but he had never seen it. Um, and after that particular point, he started to see it a lot more. You know, the death of Spider 
you know, the death of all the people who were inv- involved in the Lufthansa. That was that was the turning point because at that particular point, he started to fall out of love with being the gangster because he knew that the consequences. And you may be right. I, we may not need to like him because he's done a lot of uh, horrible things and we may not be a sympathetic character that we should really care about. But from the perspective of the film, uh, that point uh, was when he realized how deep he was uh, because they killed somebody and the only response uh, the character of Tommy DeVito had was, um, I'm, I'm so sorry about what I did to your floor. Uh, I've got blood all over the floor, something along those lines. Uh, and I think that that, is, uh, that shows that the, the action of killing somebody doesn't phase them. I mean, they go to Tommy's house, Tommy's mom's house, and they were able to eat the food, crack jokes, make uh, make light of everything because they're so used to taking lives. Uh, and at, during that whole uh, lunch or breakfast or whatever you call it, late night binge, he didn't eat anything because, you know, he was still dealing with the trauma of that situation. I think that that is a turning point for the character uh and he started to get in over his head and uh you know that was uh those were some of the things that made it easy for him to turn on uh on the people he had claimed to be family i guess i mean, I, I can concede that point that that it's kind of a turning point in that sense um but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I I watched it a couple of times, and I, got, I you know, there, there was a time in my life where I was into mob movies a lot. Then it, you know, it I, I feel like it's one of these movies that is so, so much put on a pedestal for being great, and just kind of taking off the rose-colored glasses a little bit and watching this movie, kind of trying to be unbiased, just for me just kind of took away some of that you know the 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 gravitas that is kind of put upon this this movie mm. like because it yes it's a good movie right but i do think that fine balance of of like the glamour and the danger is ultimately conveyed a lot better in in the godfather series i yeah. no no go ahead I somewhat agree with you. Like I said, you know, when I watched it yesterday, I was of two minds. Like, I've watched this film before. Uh, I liked it, you know, the last time I watched it. But, you know, now that I'm watching it again, it doesn't feel as good. Um, You know, people losing their lives over the most nonsensical issues. I don't find any of that interesting. It just feels like violent for the sake of being violent. Um, but you gotta, I, I think that you've got to take the movie for what it's trying to portray. Um, and it's just the life of one guy. Uh, and as biased as the movie is, I mean, how can you really fault it if he lived through a semblance of that? Yeah. I, yeah, like I said, I th- I think just on the on the stage of of mob movies, um, 
this has a lot of accolades for a multitude of reasons, but I think, um, yes, it's, it's the story of, of a life, but I think the, and, and that's fine. Right. I just think it's, it's a tad bit overhyped, right? Mm. I, like, like I think in, in somewhat of a similar, similar vein, there's, there's Scarface, um, which is kind of just telling a story of, you know, like going into madness even further. Right. But I feel like there's, there's some of the parallels, but just, tells the story of the glamour and the, the the drugs and the violence and and all that right and and like payoff and all that are, are super very different movie and everything right but it's it's as a movie about the allure of of that mob culture i think it's a little more um successful at least for me i i i mean like i Probably my last point about this, I, I will say that the if you're talking about you know expectations, and I think probably what made me uh, really really feel weird about the film was the reactions of the kids to what was going on on the screen. Uh, I, I think that you know the fight after Spider gets shot in the foot and this guy goes home and then he gets into a fight with his wife um, and he gets really angry because she told him not to go and he's like, you can't tell me what to do. Uh, and he goes and they're screaming and the daughter is standing outside of her door uh, watching as her parents are fighting. Uh, kind of gets me because at no point did uh, Henry care how his actions were affecting his daughter. Uh, the second scene was when, you know, they were in the prison and his his wife was frustrated because no one was helping them outside. Uh, and she's like slamming all the things that she's hidden in different compartments of her clothes. Um, and, you know, Henry's screaming at her uh, to, to, to keep it down and stuff like that. And her, his kids were just beside watching all this happen. And I think that that probably was what made me feel very uncomfortable about this film um, and made me lose a lot of uh, what I inherently liked about Henry, like the first few times I watched it. I think I lost all of that uh, this time around. Um, but I I will I will say it's not a bad film. And uh, I mean, I, I, I was arguing that it's the best gangster film. I, I really don't think it is. Um, I still think Godfather 2 is a better film. Um, I still think Godfather 1 is a better film. But I think that this movie is definitely a cooler film. It's a cooler film. It makes you want to enjoy the glamorous lives of being a gangster. So in terms of cool factor, it's a cooler film. In terms of technical factor, it's a really technical film. Um, but overall package, I would still give it to you, Godfather and Godfather 2. Yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've said my piece about this. <laughs> <laughs> and be it a little uh, polemic, but <laughs> it, it's a good movie. But but again, like, I don't know. I, I think it's overrated. Right. Fight me. Fight, fight me on Twitter. Oh, man. <laughs> and with that, Raji, where can yeah. people find us on Twitter to fight me? You can me? find us on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, and on Twitter on at Movie Mistrial. Or they can email us 
at contact at moviemistrial.com. And you can always find our podcast on moviemistrial.com as well. Uh, and all, on Spotify other, and yeah. all your podcast applications. All the good stuff. And, uh, you know, if you want to leave a rating, start the year off with a rating. Give us a rating. Ideally uh, a five-star. really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. All right, What's next, the next up. next episode we have? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, man. I haven't seen that film, actually. Oh, Okay. I've never seen the film. I know they did a Netflix remake remake of uh, a Netflix show about the nurse in the film, but I've never seen the original film. This is the nurse. What's the name of the nurse yeah. in the film? Nurse something. Huh. I did not know that. So there's a movie, uh, there's a show on Netflix about the nurse. Um, Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet, yes. Anyway, I never saw the show. I never saw the movie. So I guess this would be my introduction to everything. All right. Well, we still haven't seen Casablanca. No, my favorite <laughs> film of all time. America, right. what's going on with you? Why is it Casablanca <laughs> so high on the list? Um, all right. That's all I have. Yep. That's all my yeah. rents. <laughs> all right. Here for the next one. <laughs>